Osteomy Nurse Project. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project. As usual, I am Felicity, your Ostomy Nurse host, and today we're going to be focusing on another latent complication of stoma formation in the form of what we call stomal prolapse. But before I get started on that episode, I just wanted to highlight something that we are in the first week of the new financial year. And with that, for those of you in Australia who are paid members of an Ostomy Association, membership fees for the next year are usually due at this time. You may or may not have received correspondence from your Ostomy Association about membership fees. If you haven't and you are curious as to when your membership fee is due, please get in touch with your Ostomy Association and they will advise you if you are owing any membership or stoma appliance access fees. Okay, so now that that's done, I'm going to highlight what we're going to be talking about today. About a fortnight ago, I focused on parastomal hernias, which is a complication that can occur with stoma formations. This is much the same format. So in our episode today, we're going to be talking about what exactly is a prolapsed stoma, what are the causes of a stoma to prolapse, who is at risk or who is at greater risk of developing this condition, and what the treatment involves for this, whether it be surgical or um, things like pouching options for people. And then I'm going to talk about some of the most common questions that we get asked as stoma nurses by either people who have a stoma themselves that may have prolapsed or loved ones or carers or somebody looking after somebody who may be suffering from a stomal prolapse. Now, some of you may have already heard the term prolapse before in the medical field, and that's often referring to a part of the body that has slipped through or is pressing upon or has slipped into another organ or that organ itself. So sometimes we may refer to rectal prolapse, vaginal prolapse, those sorts of conditions, and it's much the same thing, but it's where the tissue of that organ slips through on itself or protrudes out from the original space that it is supposed to fill. Another common term, especially in terms of stomal prolapse, can be referred to as telescoping. And the reason for that is if you have a stoma that is sutured to your skin, sometimes in the course of the life of your stoma, the bowel continues to protrude out through that lumen or through the hole where your stoma is brought forth. Anecdotally, if I was to explain it to you, and here's a little homekeeping tip for you people, imagine you've got a sock on your hand and you go to pull your sock the right way out. You obviously put your hand into the tube, fold it over on itself and pull it through. Similar sort of process happens A, in the formation of a stoma and B, when a prolapse occurs. And I'm going to talk about the causes of that in just a minute or the the predisposing risks for developing that in just a second. But the idea is if you happen to have a stoma on your abdomen, it is suited to the skin, but it has the potential to protrude past that point. So the bowel almost turns outwards on itself and continues to protrude out of the body. Now, a stomal prolapse may happen very minimally, so prolapses can occur up to out to perhaps two to three centimeters, or they may significantly prolapse, and some prolapses can even extend out to 10 to 12 to 15 centimeters, depending on many factors. And here's where I need to give you guys a little bit of an anatomy lesson to talk about that, because one of the 
biggest questions or one of the most important questions that I do get asked for somebody who is concerned that they've developed a stomal prolapse and this is going to sound a little bit strange, but people are often terrified that their bowel is going to fall out or that their stoma is just going to fall out of their stomach. But here's the reality of it. Prolapses can occur to an extent, but the anatomy of the bowel will prevent the entire intestine from falling out through that aperture or that hole. And I'll explain why. In our bodies, and specifically in our abdomens, we have an additional organ. When I talk about the small intestine and the large intestine, they are obviously organs in themselves. However, there is an additional organ that holds all of the intestines together and supports them in your abdomen, and that's what we call mesentery. And among its functions, apart from linking the gut to the rest of your body, which the mesentery does, it also does things like carries blood and lymphatic fluid between the intestines and the rest of the body. But most importantly, it maintains the position of the intestine so that it's connected with your abdominal wall without being in direct contact. So without a mesentery to keep our intestines all bundled into our abdomen, the intestine would have to attach directly to the body wall, which is not essentially what we want because if it was in direct contact with the abdominal wall, it wouldn't be able to digest and, and contract and perform peristalsis and push food through the intestinal tract because it would be stuck to the abdominal wall. So long story made short, we have a mesentery which holds our intestines together and our colon together so that if we do happen to prolapse our stoma, the whole thing is not going to fall out. It may prolapse a significant amount, but it will never prolapse further than what the mesentery can stretch to hold it in. So there's a little bit of reassurance for you all that your stoma is not going to fall out of your body if you do happen to experience a stomal prolapse. All right, so time for some stats. A parastomal prolapse can affect anywhere between 2% to 47% of people who have a stoma. Now that is a really high range. So is it 2% or is it nearly half of everybody? And that's very difficult to determine. And the high variability rate is to do with lots of things. So it's stoma type, predisposing factors. So how the stomas were made, um, how sick the person is, their comorbidities, much like parastomal hernia. So things like obesity and illnesses can certainly contribute to stomal prolapse. So on the lower end of the scale, end ileostomies and loop ileostomies have quite a low percentage of stomal prolapse. So that's about the two to 5% mark. And the very top end of the scale, so up around the 47, 48% mark are for colostomies and particularly loop colostomies. But stomal prolapses most frequently occur in loop stomas and they most frequently occur in loop colostomies. So that's stomas of the colon or the large intestine. That's not to say that you can't get a stomal prolapse from an ileostomy or even an end stoma or a terminal stoma, but they are most common in loop stomas. And of those loop colostomies, a transverse loop colostomy possesses the highest risk of stomal prolapse. And it's usually the distal limb of the loop colostomy across the transverse colon. So transverse colon is across the top of the colon. For those of you who have listened to the All About Colostomy episode, 
the colon or the large intestine is shaped in a bit like an upside down horseshoe. So the part that goes across the top is your transverse colon, so it goes across. And any loop stoma, so where the bowel isn't completely severed in two and formed into a stoma, there is a defunctioned part of the colon where no feces obviously goes through. A stomal prolapse is most common, or those with that type of stoma are most likely to prolapse from that defunctioned part of the colon, which means that part of colon that's doing nothing is most likely at highest risk of popping out through the stoma aperture or through the hole where the stoma sits. So in addition to that, some of the other contributing factors and or causes of a parastomal prolapse can include increased abdominal pressure, perhaps due to tumours, pregnancy, or something as simple as coughing or sneezing. There may be an increased risk for uh, excessive lifting, so heavy lifting, which increases the intra-abdominal pressure again. It's also predisposed in people who have poorly developed abdominal muscles, in infants as well where their musculature is so soft and not well toned so there's nothing to stabilize that stoma and keep it from prolapsing so we do sometimes see stomal prolapses in infants as well because of that poor muscle tone to hold the bowel in obesity is obviously a big one as i mentioned um, that does increase intra-abdominal pressure and it increases what we call the aperture size or the size of the hole that the stoma sits on and this is where we start to reach into why people with colostomies develop prolapses more so than people with ileostomies. The colon is obviously slightly larger in diameter than the small bowel. So when we form stomas surgically, we have to create a larger hole to accommodate the colon through the abdominal wall. So an oversized hole made in the abdominal wall during surgery, if it's made too big, can actually create a fragile or a very weakened point in the abdominal wall and with enough pressure behind it, it can cause the bowel to slip through and prolapse out of itself. Stomal prolapses are not generally life-threatening, but um, the same principle tends to follow as that with stomal hernia. So if the bowel prolapses enough and that area that's prolapsed begins to swell behind that area, it can compromise the blood supply to the stoma, which, as I mentioned, the blood supply is all delivered through the mesentery. So all those veins and arteries are all bound up inside that curtain of connective tissue that holds your intestines together. If that stoma has prolapsed out and it is causing the mesentery to stretch or become compromised or too tight or constricted, that can cause that piece of bowel to become strangulated. And if it becomes strangulated for too long, it cuts off the blood supply, which means it cuts off the oxygen to the tissue and that piece of bowel will actually die. That is a medical emergency and that requires surgical correction. But in general, surgical correction is a last resort for treating a stomal prolapse because much like with hernias again, and I know I refer to them very similarly, the same with hernias, even if we surgically repair a prolapsed stoma, there is no guarantee that it won't reoccur in the future. And I'll talk about surgical interventions and conservative interventions in a minute and, and how they differ. But in general, if a prolapse is too large, to, to manage it conservatively, so with pouching or with manual reduction, or if it's become discolored, um, so like, I mean, dark red, 
purple, dusky, um, and you're concerned that if you've got a prolapse and it's changing color, if you become unwell, if you are nauseated and your stoma is not working, um, that may require surgical intervention. And that will involve removal of the prolapsed section of the bowel. So they'll have to cut away any tissue that is ischemic or is having the blood supply cut off. And they will have to um, create a new stoma, essentially. Sometimes they can reduce the stoma and um, surgically suture the bowel to the inside of the abdomen. Um, or in some cases, they may choose to relocate the stoma altogether, so create it into an entirely different position. But they are some of the surgical interventions that they can do to repair a stoma if it has prolapsed doesn't matter on length of prolapse. Some people find that either a very long prolapse is still manageable or even reducible. It can slip back into a proper position. But some people even with small prolapses can have strangulation and they can have issues with their pouching or management of that piece of bowel that keeps slipping out. So surgery may be an option for those people who can't cope with conservative management of a prolapse. Now, additionally, here's a little anecdote for surgical treatment. They follow the four R's, which is the options for stomal prolapse is reversal, resection, revision, or relocation. So if you have a temporary loop stoma um, for any given reason, depending on what the reason for having the stoma was in the first place, reversal of that stoma and reconnection to restore bowel continuity may be an option for you. If not, then they may choose to resect the damaged part or the prolapsed part and create a new stoma in the same place. They may choose to do a local revision, which means uh, reducing that spot, um, reducing the bowel back inside and either internally suturing or providing some sort of fixation inside the abdomen. And again, relocation. If it's not feasible to fix the stoma in the position that it is in, sometimes it requires relocation to a different part of the abdomen with a smaller aperture or a smaller hole size where it might not prolapse as much the next time, if at all. Now, in many of these stomal prolapse cases, surgery is often not the first-line treatment, as I mentioned, and a lot of people can live quite happily with a prolapse stoma. They manage it conservatively themselves, and conservative management looks at two things. So localized care of the piece of bowel itself, so through manual care, um, reducing the stoma physically or manually. And then there's pouching options. So different techniques that your stoma nurse can recommend to you to either prevent that stoma from popping out or to manage the changes in size and shape um, with your pouching system if you do live with a stomal prolapse that changes size, length, shape, etc. So what are the ways that we can manually provide local care of a prolapsed stoma? The most common one that we recommend is in the form of making the person lie supine. So supine means lying on your back. And that will allow the abdominal muscles to relax enough for that piece of bowel to gradually slip back inside the abdomen because we are relaxing the abdominal pressure and the bowel can often just slide back into position itself. From there, we can then choose pouching options to accommodate that bowel. Another option is if the bowel doesn't go back in straight away, we can use manual reduction, which is where we simply place a hand over the piece of bowel and 
very, very gently guide the bowel back into place. Some stoma nurses will even choose to digitally do that, so with a finger and just gently poke the bowel back inside, but that is something that not every patient is comfortable with. So if you are concerned that your stoma has prolapsed and may need reducing, always get in touch with your specialist or your stomal therapy nurse, and we may be able to have a look at localised management. One of the other options is, of course, if you are lying supine on your back, you can use a cold compress against the bowel, never freezing because that can do damage to the piece of bowel itself, but a cold compress or an ice pack wrapped in a towel gently placed over that piece of bowel can often reduce any swelling in that area because sometimes if the bowel does prolapse, the pressure against that bowel and the friction of it slipping out into a pouch can cause some edema and swelling and so that can make it more difficult for the prolapse to reduce back inside the abdomen. So a cold compress can sometimes remove some of that swelling, it can relax the blood supply and slow it down so that that bowel will eventually slip back into place. And then the other thing that we talk about is sugar. Here's my handy hint for the day and some of you don't know about this and we get a lot of funny looks when we tell people about the management of a stomal prolapse in the form of sugar. So sometimes in the course of a stomal prolapse, as I mentioned, we can get some edema or some swelling. Now that swelling can be reduced temporarily or over a period of time by sprinkling some powdered sugar on the bowel. Some people ask me, does it have to be powdered sugar? Can we use other sugars? I don't generally recommend going to your pantry and grabbing out the demerara or the raw sugar, which is in big chunks, because then you're just going to have a big grainy mess. So what we do recommend is powdered sugar, not icing mixture because that's mixed with corn flour. So don't go grabbing that either, but some powdered sugar or even just some very fine caster sugar. And you can sprinkle that on the stoma itself. So it will stick to the wet mucosa of the bowel. And with time, that will take some of the fluid and the moisture out of that area. And it can help to reduce the swelling enough for that piece of bowel to retract back into the abdomen. Another question that I get asked fairly regularly when we're talking about stomal prolapse is, well, why do I need to reduce it? Why does it have to be put back in? And the answer to that is, well, it doesn't always have to be put back in. However, failure to reduce a prolapsed stoma may cause mucosal irritation so um, damage to the very delicate, wet, shiny coating on the outside of the bowel. It can cause ulceration and it can cause bleeding. If you've ever heard some of the previous stoma episodes where I've talked about the fact that the inside of the bowel does not have nerve endings, otherwise we'd be able to feel ourselves digesting food. So what that means is if you have a prolapsed stoma and the stoma prolapse is quite long and sits into the bag, any hard, rigid areas of that pouching system or even perhaps for those of you who wear tight belts around your waist, if the bowel continually rubs or has friction against it from those hard surfaces, it can actually damage that delicate fine tissue and that can cause bleeding, ulceration. Sometimes it can cause granulation or granulomas around the stoma depending on where the irritation is occurring, but it can cause damage to that bowel and you may or may not know that you are inadvertently damaging that piece of bowel because you won't be able to feel it. What you will notice though is you will notice damage on the mucosa, you may notice some bleeding into the bag, you may notice some white 
scabby ulcerated areas on the stoma itself and that would be an indication that there is some friction or some damage occurring to that delicate piece of bowel when it is prolapsed. And this is where we start getting into the stomal therapy part of things where we look at pouching options to treat a stomal prolapse. Now pouching options alone cannot cure a stomal prolapse but there are certain techniques and appliances and accessories that we can use to make sure that the pouching system is soft enough to not damage that bowel mucosa and there's even an old school technique called stoma capping that can in some cases contain a prolapse to the very top of the bag or provide some sort of counter pressure to contain that piece of bowel and hopefully prevent it from prolapsing even further into the pouch. So one of the first things we tend to do is we look at the current appliance that you are using. If you are using a very rigid convex appliance which is designed to give the tissue around the stoma a bit of a push, we may look at switching you over to something a bit softer so perhaps a soft convex or a pouch that has a lot softer plastic so that if the bowel does prolapse it's not being trapped and pushed against a very hard rigid plastic ring and the same thing applies for two-piece systems sometimes if you use a mechanical coupling system which is where the bag clicks onto a flanged ring on the base plate or your wafer that itself can create a source of friction against the bowel if it does prolapse because it will be rubbing on that firm plastic ring so we may choose to switch you to something like perhaps even an adhesive coupling a soft convex system anything to reduce any rigid areas that might inadvertently damage the mucosa of your bowel now sometimes also to accommodate for a prolapse that may change the diameter of the bowel, so it might change the size of the opening of your stoma, that can be quite tricky to pouch because sometimes you may need to cut slightly bigger to accommodate the bowel if it is heavily prolapsed, or you may need to cut it smaller to protect the skin when the prolapse has reduced, if you have a reducible prolapse. So that can be quite tricky and this is where we start to look at accessory products. So either revising or resizing your stoma to determine what the best and most functional size to cut the hole will be. If you're a person who uses pre-cuts, we may temporarily suggest that you use a cut to fit system so you can accommodate for those size changes um, to manage the prolapse. We might look at using some seals, which can be a softer option to protect the skin if you do have to cut the bag a little bit bigger. At least if a seal is there around the skin immediately around your stoma, it will become soft and stretchy, which will accommodate the swelling of the bowel without causing it any damage, and it will continue to protect your good healthy skin from leaks that may occur um, due to those size changes. And then we'll also look at pouching techniques or recommendations for your pouching process that you may choose to adopt to make pouching easier. And that's just techniques like making sure that you have been lying flat for 10 minutes before you choose to change your stoma bag to make sure that the prolapse has reduced enough to get the accurate sizing on your pouch. We may even suggest if it's feasible to do your pouching lying down, so in a supine position anyway, as opposed to standing up or sitting in a chair, to do your pouch change where you will be increasing the abdominal pressure, which might cause your stoma to prolapse whilst you're trying to apply your pouching system. 
Now, the only other thing that I'm going to mention before I start talking about stoma capping is the fact that sometimes because stomal prolapses, as I mentioned, is more common with colostomies and in particular loop colostomies. For those of you who have a colostomy, you may be choosing to use what we call a closed system or a closed pouch. And because you are not having frequent bowel motions that would fill up the bag very quickly, a lot of you may choose to wear either a midi or a mini size pouch, which is designed to accommodate quite a smallish bowel action. Now, if you do have a prolapse, unfortunately, depending on the severity of that prolapse, it may fill up a large volume of the bag itself, because if it's protruding enough, it will reduce the amount of volume capable of that bag. So what we sometimes do is if a person is living with a stomal prolapse and, and they're not eligible for surgery or in the interim before surgery, we may suggest having a look at the system that you use. And if there is a maximum volume capacity option in the brand that you use, we may suggest that you temporarily switch to using a maxi size bag because that will accommodate for the stoma size with the prolapse as well as the fecal volume that comes out into that bag. It will simply reduce the frequency of changes that you'll have to do to accommodate for the prolapse taking up a lot of the room in that pouch. If your particular brand of system does not provide a maxi option or if you're already in a maxi option, we would then look at perhaps other brands or other appliances or other accessories that may be available to you to accommodate the size of that prolapse also. So the general premise is that if your stoma remains prolapsed or if you do have a prolapsed stoma, you will need to protect it from external trauma because again, you can't feel it so it needs to be protected. The type of work that you do, the activities that you do, so recreational or sports, and even regular daily things like leaning against a counter or leaning over a shopping trolley while you're doing your shopping can actually cause bruising to the stoma. So there are things like stoma guards or stoma protectors that are available uh, online. You can look that up if you want to. And these stoma guards or stoma protectors are essentially a hard, rigid plastic, almost like a frame that goes over your stoma and you attach that over your appliance with a fabric or elastic belt. Some of the brands I'm just going to roll off that are available online include Stoma Guard, Stoma Dome, Stoma Protector, Ostomy Armor. Those are just some that are available online, but if you are interested in getting a Stoma Protector, jump online and look those up because they have lots of different shapes and sizes and options. And some of them also have really good hints and tips on how to measure the size of the protector that you require. There are systems that may work to help protect that stoma from from external trauma and they're generally like a hard rigid flange that you can wear to protect it particularly while you're doing things like sports or if you are um, doing something that may cause damage to the stoma itself prolapse belts are commercially available but Generally speaking, the pressure from the prolapse is actually stronger than what the belt can accommodate. So even though I'm about to talk to you about stoma capping, there's no guarantee that it will help to contain the stoma if you've been able to reduce it back inside your abdomen. But it is a technique that you may choose to try at least for some protection of the stoma. But with this type of technique does include uh, increased monitoring to make sure that the pressure of the prolapse isn't pushing it underneath that stoma cap and causing bruising or squashing that delicate bowel tissue in between that and your current pouching system as well. 
Okay, so to make yourself a temporary stoma cap, you need the following equipment. You need either a convex pouch, so appliance with the convexity, so that slight ridge in it. Um, you can either use a two-piece wafer without the bag attached, or you can use a one-piece system um, and just simply cut the bag off it. But the idea is you want to get like a little flange that has belt loops attached to it, so it has to be a convex one because a lot of flat flanges won't actually provide that sort of dome of protection that you need. So you need the convex flange with the belt loops so that you can attach a belt. You obviously need a belt. There are numerous amounts of fabric elastic belts available on the Stoma Appliance Scheme. You can contact your stoma therapy nurse if you need to know uh, the coding for ordering a belt. They may also be able to get you one that they may have spare or um, point you in the right direction if you need to obtain a stoma belt. You also need some 4x4 padding. So for us, we tend to use gauze pads, um, some scissors and some tape. And essentially all you're going to do is you're going to gather up all that equipment. You want to lie down and reduce your prolapse if it is reducible. So that means lying supine for about 10 minutes and either manually reducing that stoma so that it slips back into the abdominal space and not sticking out. And so then you would put your normal pouching supplies on as per your usual. So you put your normal pouch on as you would before you even apply the stoma cap. Once your normal pouching system is on, you can then apply the stoma cap over the top of that appliance using the elastic belt. And so remember with your normal pouching system, it needs to accommodate the stoma length. It needs to be flexible. It needs to avoid any rigid rings or lines. Um, it needs to have an opening cut for the largest size of the stomal prolapse. So that means you may need to use a seal and cut your bag slightly larger. Um, and you also need to have your stoma reduced prior to pouching. So if you are unsure if you are using an appropriate appliance with a stomal prolapse, contact your stomal therapy nurse who can assess you and the appliances that you use and make recommendations for a suitable system to get into before applying the stoma cap. And now you're going to prepare your flange. If you've got a two-piece flange, there's obviously no bag attached to it, so you can use it as is. If you've got a one-piece convex bag, you simply snip the bag part off it and the plastic off the front to create just a wafer or just that rigid flange that you're going to put over your stoma itself. And basically all you're going to do is you're going to invert that flange. So normally you would peel off the sticky backing of a convex flange and press it down onto your abdomen so that the rigid convexity part pushes into the stoma to normally help it spout outwards. You're going to be doing the inverse with this technique. So you're actually going to be using that flange as a bit like a protector or a cap. So the convexity needs to point outwards so that you're not pushing into the stoma. You're actually creating almost like a concave version to cover the stoma itself. You attach your belt lugs as per the instructions on the flange and most people have got instructions with their supplies. If you're not sure, consult your stomal therapy nurse. And you essentially wear this cap over the top of your pouching system to contain the stoma up the top and prevent it from slipping out even further. But as I have mentioned, it is not always successful and it does have indications and contraindications. So there are certain people who can use this technique and there are certain circumstances where you should not use this technique. 
So this stoma capping technique is indicated when prolapsed stomas are easily reduced. So this is if your stoma prolapse slips back into the abdomen without too much issue. If your stoma output is nice and soft or semi-liquid, that is an indication that you can try this technique. You also need to be a person who is able to maintain proper stoma cap position. So you need to be competent in checking that that stoma cap is sitting in the right spot and that it is not slipping down and causing any friction or bruising on the stoma itself. You need to be compass mentis enough to be able to check that. And you need to be um, a person who has a stoma that has been pouched in an appropriate system, which I just went through. So make sure that you've got the go-ahead from your stoma nurse before employing this stoma capping technique. On the opposite end of the scale, um, don't use this technique if your prolapse is not easily reducible. So if you're not able to get the stoma back into its original position, do not use this technique. And people who have quite solid output should also not use this technique. If you have thick, solid, firm stools, don't use a stoma cap because what will happen is you will get pancaking up into the top of that area, which means that the feces will get underneath your original appliance and it will cause you leaks. So your output needs to be nice and soft and liquid enough to drop down into the bag. If your output is solid and firm, a stoma cap is only going to trap feces in that area and it will interfere with your pouching adhesion and your security. And again, on the opposite end of the scale, if you have a very large body mass index, the intra-abdominal pressure will only cause the stomal prolapse to press against that cap. So we generally suggest that you do not use this technique if you are obese or if you have quite a very large pendulous abdomen with a lot of intra-abdominal pressure. So those with beer bellies, 
no go on this technique. And then finally, on the opposite end of the scale, as I said before, if you are not a person who is competent enough to keep checking that bag, if you can't see your stoma, if you can't see a stoma cap properly, and if you cannot manage this stoma cap technique efficiently, do not use it. Because if you can't maintain the proper stoma cap position, you will find that it will cause damage to the bowel and it may cause other skin issues as well. All right, everybody, that pretty much sums up today's episode. I'm just going to recap on everything that we've covered today. A prolapse is not an uncommon complication. It is a latent complication that can be uh, a condition that happens on its own, or it can happen with other complications like parastomal hernias. It occurs when a temporary or a loop stoma um, is formed either a colostomy or an ileostomy. It can happen with any type of stoma. It is more common or the most high-risk stoma is a transverse loop colostomy. These prolapses can occur when an excessively large opening in the abdominal wall is formed, as with colostomies, because of the wider diameter of the large intestine. Those with poor abdominal muscle support, those with increased abdominal pressure, can be predisposed to developing a stomal prolapse. These prolapses can be distressing and frightening for people uh, who experiences these for the first time. So if you do ever find that you have a stoma that you suspect is prolapsing, feel free to get in touch with your stomal therapy nurse because we can provide you with the reassurance and proper assessment and proper pouching and management techniques that you may need to live comfortably or slightly more comfortably with a stomal prolapse. Surgical intervention is generally only indicated for very severe cases or if the bowel is becoming compromised of its blood supply and has a risk of dying. An ongoing care of stomal prolapse is essential in terms of pouching technique, ongoing assessment and monitoring of the stoma itself to make sure that you are not causing yourself inadvertent mechanical trauma, bruising or damage to that very delicate tissue. You can jump online and look at stoma protectors. You can jump online and look at the options for a stoma capping technique if your stomal therapy nurse has agreed to it and you find that that's a technique that you may be able to employ to try and contain that stomal prolapse. And that's pretty much it for our episode on stomal prolapse today, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tune in to another episode next week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or Podbean. Feel free to rate us. Feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to let me know if this is stuff that you want to be listening to. I really appreciate your downloads. Join us again next week for another episode of the Oz to Be Nurse Project, coming to you from down under, just like where your possibly prolapsed stoma is. Take care, everybody. Speak to you next time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.